Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Rescue Bots podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. Uh, uh re- Rescue Bots? Uh, oh, I, I'm David, and, and I accidentally watched Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue instead. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it, it is time to roll to the rescue and, uh, and watch Family of Heroes. Uh, this is the, the first ever episode of uh, Transformers Rescue Bots, aired December 17th, 2011, only on The Hub. As we discussed before, not the first uh, Hasbro little preschool-style kids show, but the first one to get any significant release. Yes, we are definitely going to do an episode of Go, Go, Go Bots at some point. <gasps> Good! I'm sure we can find them somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure we know someone. Man, I got rid of that. I had that VHS tape up until <laughs> I moved two years ago. Well, I mean, you'd also. I mean, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, if it's not on YouTube, it's going to be on daily. Yeah, on some, the hard drive some, of someone we know. Also Is true. To, well, yes, <laughs> that's probably what yeah. we will do. Anyway, of course, Nicole uh, Dubik, uh, big writer for Transformers Prime. Uh, wrote a ton of episodes for Rescue Bots, and I believe was also the show's uh, story editor. Uh-huh. And uh, she was also the uh, the kid from Major Dad, which continues to be weird. <laughs> yeah, she was weird. like a child actress. I keep forgetting what Major Dad was. Okay, it's one of those shows I remember seeing a commercial for, but I don't think I ever watched. It, uh, like, um, she's the sheriff and that kind of crap. I definitely saw it at some point. And it started, uh, Gerald McRaney. He was one half of, uh, Simon and Simon. Oh, yeah, Simon and Simon. Good. And yeah, Nicole Dubik, uh, child actress. And I don't know anybody else on this show, but anyway, uh, family heroes. <laughs> so as discussed in the episode before, we all had a psychotic break while watching Dinosaurs. <laughs> Uh, uh, this was uh, the show sort of aimed at a lower age bracket than Transformers Prime. Yeah. But is in continuity with it. It is. And uh, is animated by Atomic Cartoons, which is, I think, Flash. It, or at least close to Flash. No, it's... Uh, I, I found the name of what the hell it was. Where was it? Better write it down. Let's see here. No. Oh, uh, Tune Boom Harmony Soft. Okay. Thing, which uh-huh. apparently is, is just an animation software program you get that, that yes is basically just like flash and flash doesn't exist anymore that is such a strange thing or at least it's going to be officially dead dead soon. yes yeah. like they're not making it. anyway it's an animation studio the effect is yeah it, it looks slightly better than flash but it's got a lot of the hallmarks of flash uh-huh. but it overall it you know it, it's it's a it's an okay looking show yeah, it's, you know, suitable for the age group. Yeah, you know, it's not as pretty as Transformers Prime, but uh, it's it's pleasant to look at. It's not as pretty as Transformers yeah. Prime, but not a lot is. Yes, and we and we don't get the big, uh, the big opening sequence here because it explains the whole plot, and that's what this episode is going to do. Yes. Oh no, no opening theme song. Aw. Yay, I don't have to find that for another week. It's not Wham Bam, it's a Dino Jam. Oh, uh, oh no, I it's know. it's a it's a classic we explain the premise in the theme song. Yes. Those are good. And Those are definitely good for little kids. 
And it's uh, going to have a Canadian connection that I will explain next week. Ooh. Oh. I don't suppose you're familiar with the band Marianas Trench. No. Uh, rings a bell. Vaguely familiar with you the lamb will feature. Be. Yes, not to be confused with the actual Marianas Trench featured in the in this week's uh, newly released film Underwater. Ooh, oh. doesn't that have somebody that people care about in it? Uh, Kristen Stewart. Yes. Okay. With, uh, with so like by people, cut. what I by people, what I guess I mean is lesbians. Well, yes. Well, so she's lesbian icon. She has a very short haircut in it. Good. And Good. Uh, it's also got uh, Colleen Wing from uh, from Iron Fist. Oh, sweet. I like her. And like a bunch of ocean monsters, I guess. Yay! Unfortunately, it also has T.J. Miller. Yeah. Oh, oh, right. That's that's why I saw it. It's like, I was interested in it, but it's a horror movie, but maybe I go. And then I saw his face, and nope. You had me, then you lost me. Hopefully he gets eaten by monsters. Anyway. I presume, oh god, he better be the first one eaten. (laughs) We open in space. There's uh, an Autobot spaceship, which is apparently the Sigma. Ha. Oh. Is Sigma just established later. Be a hero. Time to turn (laughs) the tide. (laughs) There's something stupid we need to watch. (laughs) Uh, Still one of my favorite 30 Rock jokes. (laughs) Oh. What? Well, I guess like Six Sigma is like a business thing. Yes. Yes, it is. So uh, there's a thing where, like, Jack Donaghy is all, and have you ever heard of, uh, does anybody, is anybody here familiar with uh, Six Sigma? And, like, one of the writers puts up his hand, he's like, uh, it's a special kind of G.I. Joe. <laughs> and it's like, I can't believe I'm, they made a joke about G.I. Joe Sigma joke. 6 on an NBC sitcom. I really appreciate that they made that joke because I made that joke in my head every time I saw a book about Six Sigma <laughs> when I was working at a bookstore. Anyway, so, uh, Get get your drinks ready because it is time for one last Optimus Prime speech from Transformers Prime, because Ooh. they're receiving the speech from the end of Darkness Rising. Oh, yes, I forgot to take notes. This would be yes. um sixteen, I think. What are we up to? You're up there. Or at least I think. Actually, no. Apparently, this is not specifically that speech. It's just a. Ve- it's kind of like the speech he gives at the end of the movie, but it's definitely like a Peter Cullen. You know, I am Optimus oh. Prime. Oh. And yeah, I listen. was actually, oh, no, was... I was <clears throat> assuming that they had just, they were just like using that actual speech, like not that they had not re-recorded or anything. It starts out very much the same, but then it it deviates. Yeah, because I guess it gives like exact coordinates for where, for where we're at. Okay, okay, we're up to Prime speech number 17 Ooh. in this continuing saga that I guess isn't done yet. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I guess he's going to be in the next um, show too. Robots yeah. in Disguise so, so as well. I guess I'm, I'm not sure what... Keeping kept. Yeah, he's in yeah, I'm not sure what kind of drinking game you're going to have to establish for Family of Heroes, apart, or from Rescue Bots, apart from a uh, terrifying science accident occurs in small town, in which case, uh, get ready to get drunk. Well, should we... Um, maybe we, Well, maybe I should be cursing less, and maybe suggesting a drinking game about a, a show aimed more at children is a bad idea, but then again, well, it's us, so, you know. You could be, you could be drinking, I don't know, orange juice or something. Juicy oh, juice. Yeah, that works. Drink some apple juice. Purple stuff. Yes. Sunny D. Kool-Aid. No, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Whatever the kids are drinking these days, I don't know, Go-Gurt? 
You drink Gogurt. <laughs> I, I think you that's just extruded out of a tube. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> I think it is kind of like extruded fruit tube extruded. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of Yop. Mm. Is that still a thing? I don't even know what that is. That sounds like a Canadian thing. Oh, it's like a yogurt-based beverage. It's like yogurt, but it's pop, so it's Yop. That's horrifying, but also probably... I don't know, is this kombucha? That's fermented. No, I... uh, It uh, apparently sold in Belgium, Canada, France, Ireland, Switzerland, and the UK. So it... So, yes. It's a yogurt drink. That's oh. horrible. Why would you do that? This is, so- <laughs> this is I mean, Vegemite. I, like yogurt, but- I seem to recall my sister used to like it. I I hate yogurt in general, so I did <laughs> well, not. Well, it depends on the kind of yogurt. I did not consume it. Greek yogurt is horrible, but I like overly fruity yogurts. Preferably I probably notice the fruit on the bottom. Is I occasionally fruit. consume some variety of vanilla or honey flavored yogurts because I my immune system occasionally wipes out my gut biome so you know probiotics are good that's why i'm i eat it every day that's why i brew my own kombucha oh i I do enjoy a good kombucha but i hate you anyway Anyway, so it gets this transmission Uh, optimus prime's disturbing mouth it looks yeah optimus prime does not show up a lot on this show which is good i mean he is still peter cullen so you know yeah but his face is not quite suitable suited to the uh, animation style here, so his face looks very weird. Well, yeah, it's just that we're we're so used to it from Prime. Like yes. when he has his face mask off, he's very flat and plain and long and square. And this, like, like he has the sides of his mouth are open, and and it's it doesn't look like Optimus Prime is the thing. Yeah. Anyway, so they so they kind of just cra- randomly crash into this military base after receiving this transmission. And our, our robots emerge. There are four of them, and they're very pastel. Yes, they're just like they—they they are sort of Nell Yamtov background characters here. Yes, yes, and I, I and they're very generic looking, and they don't have alt mode yet. And I like that they put that extra bit of work in. Yes, it, I do, and I don't. I mean, like it, it makes them look very proto for me, but it doesn't make them look like a Cybertronian form because there's complete lack of detail of any kind. I mean, maybe they don't have alt modes at all yet. Yeah, they're just babies. Or they just kind of transform like folding in half by folding in half, like the original Pretenders. Maybe <laughs> they have those sort of late G one quote air quote Cybertronian modes that are just like, what can we do with this toy robot we designed to make it look like a vehicle? Yeah, to listen. pass it off as a vehicle. Look, it's got wheels on it. They all touch the ground. It's a car. Yeah. Sure, it's like like the jump starters. Anyway, so this is Rescue Force Sigma 17. And, Which uh, feels like a reference to something, but probably I, isn't. Nah, I don't think so. No. I mean, Rescue Force is a thing. Yes. But I don't but, think the numbers Sigma 17 have ever been associated with an armless Lyokaiser. <laughs> So anyway, they, you know, they all pile out of this thing, and uh, Optimus Prime is all, hey, listen, um, so, bad news, Cybertron, uh, it, 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 it sucks now. 
Nobody lives there anymore. <laughs> and also, you guys are probably the only rescue bots uh, left in existence. I Never appreciate that, that Transformers Prime is so dark that it can't even touch this preschool show without bringing some of that darkness with it. Yeah, it, it's like it doesn't make it explicit, but there's that, oh, everyone you might know from Cybertron is dead and we can't go back there. It, it's this darkness implied that feels really weird in the show, but like it, it does help tie it to Prime. Yeah, I mean, they never go all in with the, like, oh, these these robots are homeless. Mm. <laughs> Which, I, I feel like an 80s version of this would have, like a late 80s, like, I don't know, monster in my pocket level of, of toy writing would have gone in for, like, make them your, bring them home. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it starts out, like I said, just that, that, touch of being connected to prime just brings that little bit of darkness to it and fortunately i think they even though i love that about transformers prime they do not lean into it they definitely lean away from it from here on no and i think specifically their their rescue bots who are they never really explain it but they're like a non-violent subgroup of the autobots yeah i mean they are explicitly autobots so mm. But, uh, but yeah, they seem to be a, a very specifically pacifist, uh, I, I'm not gonna say organization, but kind of Autobots. Like, like a subgroup. It's a whole team of, um, who's the- Lifeline. An- who's the ambulance oh. from the Protectobots? First Aid? First Aid. Yeah, First Aid. Because also Lifeline from G.I. Joe had that going on. Yes. They were basically the same character, just one was a robot. Also, oh my god, we need to do the ultimate weapon at some point. That yes. episode is amazing. <laughs> and it's all about how First Date is a pacifist. Yeah, I mean, well, so, I, yeah. guess the, I guess the thing is that, you know, if Lifeline decides that a mission is too violent for him and he won't come along, you don't have four of the G.I. Joes combining into a guy who's missing a limb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is correct. Anyway, so, cut, yeah. cut to uh, Griffin Rock. A town of weird high-tech doodads. Yes. Yay, more Which episodes there's of like, or No, um, Eureka, not Eureka. Eureka. It's just a businessman who admittedly, I mean, not to fat shame here, but he seems like he might be over the weight limit for that rocket pack. But he's got like a little, or like a helipad. Like a helipad. Like, like a helicopter on his head or something. Well, it's and, like what, uh, it's like Bumblebee's action master partner. Ah, yeah. But he is wearing a helmet, which is important. Yes. Also wearing a helmet, our protagonist aged protagonist. Yes, uh, that is Cody Burns, who is a kid uh, bucking the usual trend of American cartoons in that he is a young boy voiced by an actual young boy as opposed to an adult woman. Yeah, that's something they seem to do more these days, which I guess is why you have to have Steven Universe taking place later because his voice actor's voice cracked yeah yeah somewhere if you if you yeah um if you listen closely tara strong just threw her hat down in the dust and is stomping on it <laughs> saffron oh, henderson's oh, i love saffron henderson i love her playing small boys anyway he's voiced by elan garfias who See, also that's the, 
thing is that none of the uh, the Transformers Beast Era stuff had, like, small human boys, so that's why Saffron Henderson never got to join the other Ocean Group people in doing Transformers stuff. You just, you just had a small proto-human boy. Yes, and they weren't going to bring her into And then you just have to make, like, ook-ook noises. Yeah, and then they'll sound like Gohan from the first DBZ dub. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so he's uh, he's he's you know he's he's cycling around, um, and uh, then his dad pulls up. Well, no, uh, the first, like, he gets pulled over J- by J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's Chief Charlie Burns, voiced by uh, Maurice LaMarche. Yay! Oh, I didn't even know. I think isn't this his first Transformers thing? Or it is not because he was in Did an episode have, of like, G one. Random. I was gonna say like one random G one episode, like Jim Cummings, and yeah, yeah. And I think he was he was there maybe the day that um, uh, Casey Kasem quit. Oh, oh. So in season two. And I think he really didn't get along with uh, Wally Burr. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, so that's, he, that's not good getting along with the voice director. No, so he did like that one episode and that was it. I mean, I guess he was, I, I assume he was pretty young at the time and Wally Burr was pretty old. And mm-hmm. it's kind of mm-hmm. like when I come on a job sometimes and I'm like, eh, I'm going to just outlast these old assholes. <laughs> He figured if he stuck around long enough, Wally Burr would retire and he wouldn't have to deal with him. And guess what? He was right. Yeah. Uh, he played so. uh, He played Six Gun, the Metroplex component who is a guy made of guns. Was, oh, so, what, I don't was even remember he in the Six Ultimate Weapon? Uh, no, that was Thief in the Night. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, that's season three. Cool. That is the one where um, I think Trypticon steals the Taj Mahal. Yes, and then uh, they suspect the Dinobots because it left because he left behind dinosaur electrons or something. Yes. Oh. Yes. That is absolutely one hundred percent correct. Oh, eighties writing. Also, oh. it is the first part of a uh, a a serial episode between that and Starscream's ghost. That's right. Because that's why Octane is running from the law mm-hmm. in Starscream's ghost. Except then I think they aired them out of order, except yes. maybe that was just on Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he, pull, he pulls up in his old, um, I guess this is like a, supposed to be a Crown Victoria police car. He's the, the town police chief. Yes. And he says, you know, we're, we're all going to, to get our new rides. Because he's got the rest of, the entire rest of the family there. <laughs> it's a big car. Which at first I didn't realize they were supposed to be all related. Oh, they yeah. Don't, they kind of don't, they, they don't look... They, I'm guessing a couple of the kids are adopted. I don't think so. Although the first one to introduce himself is freaking Cade Yeager. Yeah, I mean, he he's is. A jerk. He, he's a he's a real Flash Thompson type. Yeah, Cade well, is a jerk. Uh, it, it's by, amazing uh, that his name is Cade, and it's like, oh shit, he's gonna grow up to be Marky Mark. What the hell? No. Why well, is he even jerky? Because it's Cade with a K. <gasps> I didn't know what? that. It wasn't Cade with a K in the movie? No, it's Cade with a C in the movie. I figured it was with a K. Oh. Uh, no, and that is uh, that is Jason Marsden, who is not related to that J- guy who played Cyclops. 
Uh, but he's yeah, he was a goofy son in a goofy movie. He's uh, he's Kid Flash oh, on Young Justice. Um, mm-hmm. He was definitely one of the extreme Ghostbusters. I think the one in the wheelchair. <laughs> was uh, he in Dinosaurs? No, he's okay. uh, he's not really. A, he was Duke on GI Joe Renegades. Uh huh. Oh. Yeah, he's. I've seen his name pop up a lot. And he was he was also a live action actor. I think he used to be on um, uh, Boy Meets World. Uh huh. Oh. Mm. With uh, oh, and he was also the, uh, the 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 white best friend on Static Shock. <laughs> oh, he's the token white guy. Why wasn't that kid a redhead too? I think he no, was blonde. I think he was blonde. I think he I was know. blonde. I barely remember Static Shock, sadly. Aww. Anyway, so yeah, he's uh, he's in a ton of stuff, um, and yeah, he's playing a, he's playing a real Flash Thompson here. Yes. He's the firefighter of yes. the family. I might say he's a real hothead. <laughs> I would not say that. Or in Canada, we might say he's a, he's a real hosehead. <laughs> hey, hoser. Hoser. Hosehead. He was definitely the least memorable of the junior headmasters. <laughs> uh, anyway, also in here is uh, Graham Burns, who is kind of the least memorable memorable member of the Burns family. He's He's kind of a nerd. Yes, he is, I guess, the engineer. Yes. Not in the sense of, uh, of like, uh, operating a train, but in the sense of, like, engineering things. Yes. Well, he does wear a hard hat. He's the only one to wear a hard hat, so. <laughs> That's not the kind of hat train conductors wear. <laughs> <laughs> and he's voiced by Shannon McCain. And then we've also got uh, Danny Burns, who is the girl. <gasps> oh, yes. A girl. The, the girl. She's kind of like high-spirited and impatient. Yes. And uh, she's voiced by Lacey, uh, by Party of Five and that terrible Lost in Space movie's Lacey Chabert. I thought mm. the movie was okay. It just it's... It's... <laughs> Rob is like, it is subjectively not. <laughs> Like, listen, it's. I probably enjoyed it more than I should have at the time because I had a real thing for Lacey Chabert. Oh well, there you oh, go. Oh yeah, you were younger than us, so that. that yes, I out. was. That was appropriate at the time. Oh, yes. who was the the um the other sister? Oh, that was uh, what's her name from uh, Austin Powers Two, um, Heather Graham. Ah, yes, that Heather Graham was rather nice in that outfit. And also, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, used to be married to oh. Tom Cruise. Um, uh, with the huge eyes, Katie huge Holmes. Eyes. No, not her. No, no that uh, his oh, okay. first wife. Oh, so not with the huge eyes. No, like she she's got unreasonably large something. eyes. I can't uh, help it. Uh, Mimi Rogers and um, yes. listen. This this is a uh, this is talking about a children's show, but uh, Mimi Rogers' unusually large features are not her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a Joey from Friends. Anyway, we should get back to talking about the show. Yeah, anyway, if you want to see Lacey Chabert these days, uh, tune into Lifetime around Christmas. You'll see about 1,500 <laughs> movies with her on them. Good. She yes. should be getting work, I guess. She is what? She is living that Lifetime Christmas movie lifestyle. Yeah, it's like <laughs> anytime you need a, a cute, young-ish Christian lady in a movie, 
she's your number one choice. Uh, she's also in Christian Mingle, the movie. What? <sighs> yes. That can't be a thing. It is. I refuse this iteration of reality. The problem is, it's a thing, and it's not a joke. It, it uh, is a joke, though, whether it knows it's a joke. It's a punchline. Punch I will note that this movie also features actual actors, Stephen Tobolowski. Does, does Tobol have a full name? Um, the guy who played Peterman on Seinfeld. And uh, Ellie Laws, Corbin Burnson. Mm-hmm. And Morgan what Fairchild. About, what about Kirk Cameron? Oh. No, no. See, it's it's no, like a level. Of, it's, it's like that bad. it's not like weird Christian. It's just like we're fairly Christian. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All I know okay, is then. I like she's not Christian in the beginning, but like she dates a guy who's Christian, so she buys the Bible for dummies. Uh, <laughs> I hate that stuff. I hate the implic. Okay, this this is my my having to work in a bookstore and deal with these like categories of stuff sort of thing but i just hate that implication that people who aren't christian just don't know anything about christianity because actually everyone knows a lot about it thank you yeah like half of my high school was jewish we all knew about christians (laughs) yeah it's like that's not how it works Anyway, I, I listened to a podcast about the movie. The only other thing I can remember is at one point they go to a restaurant that serves only steak and cake. <laughs> and the restaurant is called Steak and Cake. Steak and Cake? I mean, Steak and Cake, that's, I assumed. that's a good idea. That, that a sounds idea, like a, a, a Pokemon-like party concept that I need to work on with my, my Gigantamax L. Creamy, who is a cake. Anyway. I'll have to come up with some steak. Mr. Steak? Yeah, so anyway, they're all, you know, we're going off to get our new vehicles, and obviously Cody wants to come, but he cannot because he is but a child. Also, they're like, I feel like there's unreasonable, like, teasing going on, considering that he's not getting a vehicle because he's not old enough to have a driver's license. (laughs) They they make it sound like this is something that he could earn if he just works at it a little bit harder. By aging, I guess. (laughs) Yes, by not dying before his 16th birthday. And uh, speaking of dying, not in this car is the mom. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. As far as I know, she's never mentioned, but uh, she dead. Well, that's that's TV <laughs> standard, you know. She real dead. <laughs> Maybe, wait, wait. Maybe, do we, oh, we do get a last name. I was going to say, what if the last name is Darby? Could have gone back to her maiden name, you know. That is entirely man, that true. Is, that is a lot of kids, though. <laughs> and also, I mean, I think one of them, like, Jack would remember these kids. I, and I'm pretty... One of them is younger yeah, than him. <laughs> so but one there's of them like, is younger than him. Is there a reason she... to bring them up? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It might be kind of no- notable, you know, oh, yeah, my dad, you know, went one day out for a pack of cigarettes, and also he took four <laughs> of my siblings. <laughs> Yeah, he took the siblings he liked. So I, I'm pretty sure he's now on like a like a like a. I'm pretty sure he's now on like a weird science island. 
Oh, oh this, this fiction we're creating is unfortunate. Let's let's pull back. <laughs> I'll just go write the fanfic myself. A, a distraction of um, everyone's tiny tin tin like doll eyes. I kind of like the dot eyes. Yeah, I, I it's would okay have to say under the circumstances, it's fine. Consistent. It, it mostly it just reminds me of, of our friend Walkie's like comic book art or um, web comic <laughs> art. Like he does, he draws a bunch of characters that look a hell of a lot like these. Not all of his characters have the dot eyes, but when I first saw like images for the show, I was like, "Wait, did did, did he get consulting fee? Did he draw some character designs? What the fuck?" <laughs> it is a similar style, but because like at least the 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 main the main boy like his design and proportions are very much like Walkie's art. I can see that. Mm. Maybe that's why he likes the show so much. Maybe. Understandable. Yeah. Anyway, so we cut back to uh, to the new arrivals, who I guess are on Griffin Rock. And I guess um, uh, Agent Fowler must have hooked them up with this. Yeah. I I think it does predate it. I, I don't think it mentions it quite right in the show. But, but uh, he does say something about our friends in the government later in the episode. And, and they're in friends my notes, in Washington. And my or yeah, and and in my notes, I said our friends yes. in Unit E. Oh, I I want to see Fowler in this art style. He looks so adorable. Ah. Uh. And so he's like, "Hey, listen, you know, you're not going to be fighting Decepticons with me. You're going to live with a human family, and you're going to learn about Earth. But you have to disguise yourselves as non-sentient robots who are also vehicles to everybody except for uh, Maurice Lamarche here." Yeah, and so the you know they all they all pick uh, alt modes. So you got uh, you got Boulder, who is uh, kind of the uh, he's kind of the bulkhead of this show. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a very I would say he's, he's more animated bulkhead yes. than prime bulkhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, voiced by Imari Williams. I think he may end up eventually doing art, like animated. Bulkhead. I think he does. Yes. Yeah. So he's he's uh, very animated bulkhead. You've got Heatwave, who is the leader of the group. He, <laughs> he is... declares himself the leader. Yeah, he is Steve Bloom again. Yay! Yes, sounding very Steve Bloom. Even when we skipped and did the weird shit, we, we Steve Bloom has been a consistent for us here. So as yes. as a as a side note, I have been. Uh, I I think I mentioned this in our Patreon episode. Uh, I was inspired by the rise of Skywalker to start uh, properly watching through Star Wars Rebels again, uh, because I had stopped watching it like halfway through season two. Uh, but one of the things that consistently carries through it is like 90% of the little side background stormtroopers and Imperial <laughs> characters and rebellion characters are just Steve Bloom doing exactly this voice. <laughs> and I like that he's the leader, but he's also a total dick. Yeah. Doesn't he de- didn't he declare himself the leader? Yes. So he's the kind Wait, of no. guy who would declare well, I, himself the leader. I think he was the leader beforehand, but Okay. Sorta of, but yeah, but like Prime like reaffirms, well you're in charge. Mr. Yeah. Fiery Brand. Mr. Um Hot Rod for this series. Yeah, he's more of a jerk than Hot Rod ever is. He, he's a little he's a little uh, hot rod, he's a little sentinel prime from animated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see that. He doesn't see why we have touch. to work with these 
stupid humans. Yes. And then, and then you've got Chase, who is a police car, and if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, he is Captain Holt. <laughs> he wants to know which of these Wait, vehicles mm-hmm. is, is most uh, involved with rules enforcement. Yes. He's very like the, you know, kid's cartoon uh, strong arm from Robots in Disguise. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, I mean, that he was actually that guy. No, it's... no, he's not actually that guy. He's uh, he's DC Douglas, uh, who's done a lot of video games. Yes. Oh. No, he is he he is definitely cut from the same cloth as uh, as Robots in Disguise Strong Arm. He just wants to to enforce some rules. Well, for, he just for my wants rules for my Brooklyn Nine Nine uh, viewers, he is the Captain Holt, and she is the. Uh, Amy Santiago. Am I the only one who watches that here? I'm, yeah, yeah. I've, I I've think seen I've seen it. That's it. It's a good, it's a good show. Yeah, an episode or so. My parents it were seems watching. Nice, but I just like entirely missed it. And at our fourth one is Blades, and unlike uh, regular Blades, who is a kill crazy maniac, <laughs> yes. uh, Blades is kind of um, kind of a coward. A hilarious coward. He's scared of heights, which, as we know, I both I, I sympathize very strongly with. So he's like the G1 Silverbolt of, of the group. And they're like, you know, they had four vehicles. And, and Prime's like, I, I guess yours has been chosen for you. It's like, also, it's the only one that's got blades. And his name is Blades. I feel like it was already chosen for him regardless of whether he was the last one to pick or not. But then he's like, I don't, but it goes up so high. And I wanted to hug him. <laughs> he's so good. I love him. Uh, yes, he's voiced by Parvesh China. So, uh, yeah, Chase becomes the, the police car. Uh, Heat Wave becomes the fire truck. Boulder becomes the the bulldozer. And yes, Blades is unfortunately the helicopter. And he's very distressed to discover that helicopters fly. <laughs> so good. He's such a good boy. So yeah, they're, they're introduced to, uh, to Charlie Burns. And so they go to the, they go to the town square, uh, where they're, they're going to be introduced to the citizenry of Griffin Rock. Uh, this is where we meet Frankie Green, who is, uh, who is Cody's best friend, uh, voiced by Diamond White. Yes, who, uh, and she is, oh, uh, I believe, LeVar Burton's character's daughter. Yes, and we see here for dad, uh, Doc Green, who is does not have any lines in this episode. So no. I guess when I tell you that uh, he's voiced by LeVar Burton, you are going to have to take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have to assume that his name is, is a play on a certain uh, Christopher Lloyd character. Uh, Marty, I, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it's, you know, doctor and then a color. Yep. Uh, and also propensity for making terrifying inventions. As, yes, I was going to say, as I recall from, according to Netflix, I watched all the way up to episode four of this previously. <laughs> uh, but yes, it is a a, uh, accurate comparison <laughs> and uh, also at this uh, dedication ceremony we see uh, local reporter Huxley Prescott uh, voiced by our old pal Jeff Bennett yes oh. sounding just like a Jeff Bennett character 
And he sort of becomes like a recurring annoyance slash antagonist. Yes. Man, if only he was Hector Ramirez. <laughs> he is he is the Hector Ramirez of the show. Yeah, they're they're in, they're introduced. They're kind of doing a bad job of pretending to be robots. Yeah, like they're they're have to be in disguise, so they have to put up this lie that oh, we are just robots. Bleep bloop. Seems a weird system to build <laughs> yes. it on. And then the the speech the the J. Jonah Jameson, police sheriff, gives, um, <laughs> like he says that with, with one human and these robots, they can, like, replace an entire police force. To which I have to ask, what happened to the police force you already had? Did you not have one? <laughs> Either you didn't there have was... one, which is a problem, or you fired them all, which is a bigger problem, possibly. <laughs> Although, you know, fuck the pigs, but, um... <laughs> It raises questions that this children's show won't answer. I I really need to stop cursing so much. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we, I vaguely recall we see one other cop later, and it's just um, based on the uh, who's the guy from the Andy Griffith show? Uh, Barney Fife. Barney Fife. I think he's even like Deputy Fife or something. Hey, Andy. Well, that's a big problem. Here. I mean, they, but, I mean, just the, they did the, the best they could. I mean, spoilers. The, uh, just a one horrifying <laughs> disaster happens to Griffin Rock in every episode, and you really wonder what was happening before the rescue bots came along. Yeah, like, did, is, is everything just destroyed every week before? Yeah, or, yeah, that's. Or did well, like, luckily did they everyone had, like did the entire pol- uh, fire department just get fed up with all these problems <laughs> and fires yeah. breaking out and just quit the week before? <laughs> or they were all incinerated. Oh, that's that's sad. Yeah. Or I assume they're just like a bunch of clouds shaped like robots that are fixing everything every night. Oh. Well, uh, well, everybody loses their memories. Applying logic to this is just sad. I mean, it, you know, it's, you, you kind of have that with almost every like superhero kind of thing. Like, I don't know who's fighting well, all these guys in animal costumes before Spider Man's around. Well, but th- 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 yes. that's like the Batman effect, like and flying the, the, lobsters. The animal villains kind of congregate after a guy dressed like a spider shows up in town for a few years. So maybe once these robots <laughs> show up, all the natural disasters are like, "Hey, we got to get on this." Oh, natural that natural disasters are different. It's maybe okay. I guess hey, these, these, maybe God says, "Hey, these robots aren't a front to God. I better yeah. start smiting this town of Griffin Rock." Okay, that's possible, or or maybe it's a local god. Of Griffin Rock that like just is annoyed about these automatons coming in to muscle in on his territory. Eh? Yeah. Also, have we lost Jen? Um, possibly shit. Oh dear. That, that that's unsettling. Zencaster said, "Waiting for all mics to be armed." Okay, um, I have now sure. restarted a okay. new Audacity file. Okay, I'll, I'll just glue them together. So yeah, a a butterfly lands on Boulder's nose, and he, uh, you know, he blows it off there, and nobody else in the crowd notices, but uh, but Cody, he notices. <gasps> he does notice, and he's all, eh, "What's the deal with these robots?" And then Huxley Prescott tells him to get lost, kid. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so, but luckily, 
uh, or somewhat unluckily for the town of Griffin Rock, uh, the Natural History Museum is on fire. Oh, no. No, no not the Dinotarium. <laughs> <laughs> Let it burn. <laughs> you would think that, like, they would have... I don't know, sprinklers. You would think that a fire there bad enough to require, like, a serious response would be prevented prior to occurring. Yeah, you would think. You would think. But then, this is Griffin Rock. As we will learn, there are special extenuating circumstances here. Yeah, so so they speed the museum, or rather, three-quarters of them speed the museum, and Blades very slowly putters along. Because he doesn't want to fly too fast or too like, high. They're all cinnamon rolls, but he's the cinnamon rolliest of them all. He's just, yeah, and he does like this little like face on the screen thing where he talks all robotic about like, I don't understand. Fly slower. Flying slower. <laughs> it's very cute. He's and that, that is like a, a thing where they have like their, their heads on little screens. Yes, so they can communicate with their humans. Yes. Their new pet humans. Yes. So it is the humans who think that they are the masters. Anyway, so they, they send Chase in there to, uh, to evacuate, and he, uh, he mostly does it, but, uh, unfortunately he, he finds that, uh, you know, these two humans did not respond. He's just got two mummies in his hands. Oh no! Yes. But oh, that's cute. He thought the mummies alive or were alive. Instead, he's just holding um, somebody else's stolen corpses. Uh, yes. Again, that's it, it. Makes me think of weird things. Should not come <laughs> up in a children's program. These desiccated corpses did not leave. <laughs> he doesn't understand how biological organisms work. <laughs> and meanwhile, Boulder doesn't want to take the uh, the uh, the planters out uh, to create a fire block because they're so pretty. Yes. <laughs> and Graham is all, uh, what? <laughs> anyway, they, they they put the fire out. It turns out one of the robot dinosaurs, because this museum obviously has robot dinosaurs, uh, shorted out. As you should. Everyone should have robot dino, dinobot sores. Um, yeah, the animatronics. Yeah. And so, uh, so while they're trying to fix this, um, uh, uh, the chief and Graham almost get crushed by a falling robot dinosaur head. <gasps> Wham, bam, dino decapitation. No. I mean, they're about to be made into dino jam. <laughs> <laughs> No, none of this. Uh, but luckily, Heatwave is all uh, bleep bloop, I will save you. And yes. catches the robot head. Even though, obviously, they didn't tell him to do that. And they know that. They're like, wait a minute. We didn't tell him to do that. It's yeah, like, no, uh, the chief's all, um, no, it, it was in uh, rescue mode still. Yeah. And uh, nobody on the show is a very good liar. You might as well be John Lovitz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was in uh, rescue mode. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> and then cut to this uh, robotic Tyrannosaurus Rex, who I note here is colored sort of green and purple. Yeah. And, uh, and his eyes turn red. And, uh, yes. <laughs> I wish. That would be 
That'd be fun. Uh, it'd be nice if you talk, but it is mostly like the fire damage. Like it seems like it might have been mostly purple, but now there's greenish splotches on it, and parts missing where you well, can see well, the bones. Well, he's bones. like a Terminator, but a dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. Why did that's they take they... send one of those back in time? Oh my god, that would have been so much. That's more That's absolutely where they should take the franchise next. Terminator. Yes. 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 And the dinosaurs still sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. I mean, yeah, it'd be easy. You don't have to make, like, a young CG version of Arnold. Just have him voice it. It'll be fun. And yet he's still trying to steal people's clothes? Yes. Sure. Oh, a little velociraptor in a little vest. All of this is good and correct and accurate. Your dinosaur-sized clothes gives them to me. (laughs) He's got his, like, dinosaur claw sticking out of the, uh, like, molten metal as he's uh, lowering it uh, in. Oh, well, oh, then no. you have to be, like, a, a Megalosaur or an Allosaur so you can give a thumbs up because T-Rex. <laughs> like, you can't... He, uh, with a T-Rex, it'll look like he's giving the middle finger, even though he only has two. <laughs> yes. I don't know why you cry, but it's something I can never do. Roar. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're, we're back at the, uh, we're back at the, uh, the Griffin Rock fire station, which I'm pretty sure was a playset at some point. Probably. Uh, the fire stuff goes on downstairs, and upstairs is where they all actually live together. Because they're a family. Yeah, they're you know they're having a nice family dinner. Uh, the chief is wearing an inappropriately sexy apron. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's why June divorced him. <laughs> Listen, Charlie, it's the apron or it's me. Also, I can't work in this Griffin Rock Hospital anymore. All these science accidents. I mean... Wait, it actually even makes, like, everybody else, like, police and fire and stuff, they're they're missing a a medical professional. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) It it makes more sense. Anyway, and we've somehow got to, uh, uh, somehow got to connect this with the child protagonist of Robots in Disguise, whose mother is in, like, Budapest for the summer or something. What? Uh, like in Robots in Disguise, like, so, uh, he gets sent to live with his dad, who, like, runs a junkyard, and he's yes. John McGinn, and he's, uh, was it John C. McGinley? No, John C. McGinley. John C. Riley? No, not John C. Riley. Uh, Ted McGinley is the guy. You know, he, he runs the junkyard, he's... Yes, got, he's, he's a disaster, yes. He's a, he's a human disaster, yes. He's on Happy Days. Oh, I mean, anyway, okay, boomer. it would make more sense if, for that guy to have been separated from June, but there was no way if the mother was still alive where he would get possession of any children, let alone just one of them. <laughs> so yes. that's an impossibility. Also, I don't know what June would be doing in Budapest or wherever she is for the entirety of that show. If she oh, is, my, I think he's lost. Oh, my mistake. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Uh-huh. Capital of Denmark. Copenhagen. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Sure. Sure. Oh my goodness. Maybe she works for Lego. Maybe. Anyway, so uh while while they're having dinner up there, uh the rescue bots are discovering the underground Cold War bunker where they can just hang out without having to pretend to be regular robots. And none of them really like this. No, no. they're not thrilled with the situation. Blades mm. doesn't want his human to scream at him so much and Chase just wants to follow some rules. 
Boulder's pretty much chill with everything because he's generally chill, and then Heatwave is just mad because he's Heatwave. Yes. And then none of them are happy when this uh, small child sneaks in and is all like, hey, what's up? Like, <laughs> you guys are super guys bad are. at pretending to be robots. Let me teach you how to be robots better. Yes. So yeah, they uh, they they take some tunnels. They uh, they go out. They look at the stars. He kind of tells them how to like do robot poses. <laughs> yes. Like, there's apparently a very popular drive-in theater that is showing a '50s robot movie with a very much with a very Robbie the Robot looking robot. I mean, I guess that's <laughs> what you have in a town full of absolute nerds. Yeah. So they're kind of pretending to, to, you know, they're kind of trying to get the gist of it, except for uh, Blades, who is just doing the robot. And I don't know where he learned to do the robot. (laughs) And in fact, Cody doesn't know where he learned to do the robot. (laughs) Doesn't someone in Prime do the robot at some point? I think Bumblebee. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Maybe Bumblebee taught him. Well, he is going to show up on this show. Yeah. Yeah. They're friends. They've only been on Earth for like a day. How? <laughs> Maybe they knew each other on Cybertron. But, so he probably would have known the, the robot, robot back dance then. was a dance back on Cybertron. Yes. Trying to apply logic to a children's show is, is sometimes frustrating. <laughs> it's possible that Blades is just so bad at pretending to be a robot that he has accidentally recreated the robot. This is possible. That, okay, that's that's the canon explanation. It hurts less. Anyway, so they... Uh, before things can get any further, this drive-in movie is disrupted by the actual rampaging robot Tyrannosaurus. Oh, no! And it's attracted to the light, much like uh, the, uh, the Tyrannosaurus in Jurassic Park. Yes. Uh, luckily, Chase has lights on top of his vehicle mode, so he can sort of turn his lights on and then just sort of lead this thing around. So Cody calls his dad, kind of hastily explains everything, although Cody does not know that his dad knows that these are aliens. Yes, he just assumes no one knows. Yeah, so he's all, no, 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 these, these, they're actually aliens, and he's all, yes, and... <laughs> Though, and he's like, how long have you known about this? And it's like, they've only been here for a day. I mean, the the answer cannot be more than a couple hours. <laughs> like, why, why do you ask? Listen, they were just so bad at hiding it. I couldn't <laughs> help but find out. It's like, yeah, I've known about this for a week since you were signing paperwork with Agent Fowler. So everybody teams up to uh, to work out a solution while Chase is, uh, Chase is uh, having this thing chase him around. Uh, Cody calls uh, calls his pal Frankie, who is a uh, who is a science nerd and knows how to turn these things off. But also, she really likes dinosaurs specifically. Yes. So Boulder kind of smashes up the police station, um, pulls out a, a steel frame of a jail cell to make a cage, and then. Uh, Blades uses his winch to grab that and fly it off, and Heatwave is uh, spraying water on the ground to make mud. Yes. Everybody's so, trying something. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's all part of a coordinated plan. So they lure the dinosaur into the into the mud. It slips in the mud, falls down, and then they drop the cage on it. Then they drop the man in the pan, and it triggers the mouse trap. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, it it actually doesn't work, and you try and adjust a little thing, some of the little gears a little, and it still doesn't work. And then you put it back in the box. You just go uh, play Candyman instead, or Candyland instead. Do not play candy. <coughs> Do not play candy man instead, or you will no. have your organs extracted by Tony Todd. Well, yeah, I don't know. Tony Todd might have some good stories from the set. <laughs> oh, you mean about how they they actual they put actual live bees on him and they like paid him a hundred bucks every time he was stung. <laughs> oh, ow. Let's just say Tony Todd made a fair bit of extra money on that. Movie. I can imagine there's so many bees on him. <laughs> so many bees. And then also when uh, Virginia Madsen was doing scenes with him, they actually hypnotized her. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a weird movie. That, yeah. Uh, her? Yeah. I haven't seen that in so long. Anyway. Anyway, and so while it is in the cage, uh, Cody gets in there, pulls up the uh, little flap on its control panel, and turns it off. So I would like to know, how come programming sufficient to cause these dinosaurs to go on a rampage is okay, but programming sufficient to catch a girder to th- that's falling without having to have direct input is like, oh, that's way too out there for anybody to believe. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of believe it because they're still pretty surprised at the end. Well, yeah. okay. Because indeed, they, they you know they they take the dinosaur back to the museum where it actually I, I believe becomes a recurring menace. Ooh. Oh, goody! Not just a recurring background character like the dinosaur in the Batcave. <laughs> did, that's a thing. Like, I'm still surprised. Like, they have well, I can kind of understand why the new movie, most recent movies, haven't done. <laughs> The actual dinosaur just rampaging as like a, a cold open of a Batman movie, but we need that so bad. I we could, they could at least do the giant penny. There's, there's this, the story where, where Bane breaks Batman's back and the cover of it. And I would come across so many of these because I was working at a used bookstore circa 2003. So I would come across so many copies of that issue. And there's the, the, like, penny on one side and the dinosaur on the other side that's there to clearly establish that this is in the Batcave, except the dinosaur just looks like, oh my god, what's that guy doing to Batman? Hey, wait, what you what you guys doing in there? Don't make me come down there. <laughs> and I, every time I saw it, I just couldn't stop laughing for a good minute or so. Anyway, sorry. I I love that that's just... A thing that establishes the location of the back cave, but then also being a dinosaur, it's, it can be expressive and sometimes not intentionally so. So, so Chief Burns, you know, he's he, you know he's going to take a picture of uh, of all of my heroes outside this museum, and Cade, you know, kind of doesn't want Cody in the picture because he's but a boy and he didn't really do anything, but. Cade is the worst brother, and they really need to, like, he's such a jerk. Well, yeah, he's named Cade. (laughs) Well, maybe they shouldn't have named him that. Apparently. That's weird, because most of them have fairly normal names. Yeah. 
He's just, he's the one who's got the, like, I don't know, wrestler name. Yeah, and it's weird that, like, he's the oldest, because Cade feels like one of those, like, names that people have diverged (laughs) from, like, the 12 apostle names that you get so often in America, you know, our day. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not Kane. It's, no, it's a Western it's, Hockey League I mean. name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely the name of someone who's wearing, like, I don't know, some bad political t-shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. But uh, then uh, then Heatwave is anyway, all, hey, I no. Anyway, I posted a picture should... of that cover for you all to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so Heatwave is all, no, you should let uh, Cody in the picture. And at this point, the chief says, oh, yeah, uh, these aren't actually these aren't giant robots. They're giant robot aliens. Snap picture. Oh, oh, yeah. The the camera. It's pretty great. Which he places and it hovers in place. Yes, because it's a futuristic refractor. Refractor can fly now. I guess so. It's it's Griffin Rock. They all got uh, they all got the the uh, the fancy high tech stuff. Yeah. They got the good stuff. And that is it for Family of Heroes. It is, as I'm sure we will reiterate many times, it's just a nice show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's cute. It's simple. Um, We brought up odd things by overthinking it. Oh, I'm sure, and we will continue to do so. Although I, yes, I do have to point. I, as is our way. After watching this episode, I watched something else. (laughs) This is the way because it made me think. As I brought up at the beginning of the episode, although I didn't watch the English version, I watched uh, QQ Sentai Go Go 5, which is uh, a Sentai show between Power Rangers about a family with a bunch of sons and one daughter operating rescue vehicles. Um, the, the, the head of them, the Red Ranger, is of course a fire on the fire department, and there's other ones. Who's a cop and things, and um, they're given they're given a robot at the end of their first episode uh, by their father, who is <laughs> a rather older looking gentleman with gray hair and a mustache. <laughs> and the vehicles are they're um, well, one of them's a, your basic ambulance sort of looking thing. There's a fire truck, of course, and there well, there's not a helicopter. It's more of a hovercraft thing the two ducted fans but um th- there's an annoying amount of similarities to the show like admittedly the, the the rescue bots in this don't combine but the family dynamic with only one woman and a really older looking father is this one with doggy kruger no doggy kruger is a uh, uh, decker ranger that's two okay series later i think two or three. okay <laughs> yeah oh I, but qq ranger as a side note because i think i'm going to be watching every episode as we go along which means i'll run out of this before mm. we finish anyway the the name of the show well go go five go means five so it's five 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 which is weird but the qq uh it means emergency but it also sounded it kind of sounds like nine nine because this also started airing in 1999 and the overarching story of the show is, oh, there's a Y2K-like apocalypse being set up by some aliens <laughs> and a conjunction of planets. 
So I, I really like the, the idea of the show a lot. I'm not so much into the idea of like it being a family because that limits character dynamics because you can't have romance in the show. Everyone's related. And you can have outside romance. Well, presumably, yes. But it, I'm guessing if there is a romance, it's going to be the one girl in the show has a date and all her brothers are going to be annoyed about it. As is tradition. Ah, uh, and if I come up to that episode, I'm going to hate it. <laughs> I think uh, most of these characters do eventually get um, love interests of some sort. I think even the chief. <gasps> what? Oh, that's good, I guess. It'll be interesting. I guess it's fine for him to move on from June. <laughs> also, the I just got distracted thinking about Maka Gogo. Because Mach 5. Go, 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 go. And that's go, go, go. The, it's because Go is 5. Oh. And also because Go Go was, you know, it was the 60s. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, so I, I, I think I've mentioned before that I did get uh, my oldest nephew a Rescue Bots toy when, when he was like 3. And he didn't understand why you would want to make Truck into Truck Man when he was already <laughs> Truck <laughs> Uh, they they do seem to have some more rescue bot stuff now that they're a little older. So I I suppose they have now they they understand the allure of truck man. <laughs> so that's truck good. Man. So we we will be back uh, next week doing more rescue bots uh, episode two. Under pressure. Oh, get ready for all sorts of that. Oh, maybe that's the theme song. Maybe they licensed it. Ah, uh, no. No. They could have done a cover. That's cheaper. Nope. Also, nope. Doesn't explain the plot of the show. What? But they're under pressure to stop emergencies. They could have rewrite a few yeah, I mean, lyrics here and there and make it fit. I think specifically that episode involves being like pressure, pressurized lava or something. Pre- oh, I can understand pressurized mm-hmm. steam. Pressurized lava? Is that a thing? That I mean, a lot of things on this show are not a thing. In a couple yeah. episodes, we were looking at uh, flying lobsters. <laughs> oh, yes. I forgot about the preview of that. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so until next time, of course, we are all over the internet. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, uh, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other costs. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. And uh, for the month of January, we are going to be talking the rise of the Sithu fucks. Uh, and for February, we don't know yet. We'll figure it out. That's right. So until then, I'm Rescue Rob. I'm, apparently I need a boy's name that's actually also a girl's name like all of the women on this show. <laughs> until then, I'll be Jen. It's just a children's show. I should really just relax. I'm David. <laughs>
why does Lacey Chabert's character kind of look like she's like from G.I. Joe? As if she's the new Lady J or something? She is kind of Lady J. I mean, she, you know, she's, she's like a woman of action. Yeah, but like her outfit is, is very, like, that's, that's a G.I. Joe design. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess, does G.I. Joe have, I guess there's a G.I. Joe firefighter, was that barbecue? Um, yes. Is that the guy who likes pork chop sandwiches? I think so. Again, right. I haven't I, watched those in a while. I was getting confused with Charbroil, who I think is the flamethrower guy, and I assume those is two guys hate each other. Charbroil? Wait, there's definitely I, a guy I named Charbroil. I got the toy of one of them. I can't now. I can't remember which one. He kind of has a helmet that I think makes him look like a bug. I don't know. I was get, Oh no, no, that's not the one I had. I guess I had the other guy. Uh, maybe I don't have either. The fuck? Or it's just a later design. As a childhood chore, Charbroil was made to heat the water pipes in the family basement with a blowtorch to keep them from freezing and bursting in the winter, because he's from Minnesota. My as a teenager, he worked in the mills on the Great Lakes, feeding coal into blast furnaces. When the recruiting sergeant asked him what type of job he was interested in, he replied, What have you got with open flames? <laughs> so he's a deranged pyromaniac. At least he's on the side of good, I guess. <laughs> At least he's not murdering us. <laughs> <laughs> 